welcome to Work is Calling, where we will learn the experiences and insights of business leaders who see their careers as a calling from God. What is important about seeing your career as a calling? Work is fulfilling whenever we sense success, but let's face it, success can and usually is fleeting. What if instead of targeting success, we seek fulfillment? A sense of calling makes serving God your purpose. That shift can actually lead you to a sense of fulfillment regardless of success. Let's listen to the stories of those who have made the shift and have experienced this. Well, hello there. Welcome to Work is Calling. My name is Wayne Kuna, the founder and president of Soul Priority, a ministry that coaches women and men in business how to transform their careers and workplaces through biblical principles. So today's guest is Tom McElroy, someone I got to know while I was serving in uh, ministry, uh, business ministry with the Navigators. Tom, welcome to Work is Calling. Well, I am glad to be here. Thank you so yeah, much. Yeah, we're so glad to have you. I can't wait for the people to hear you and to dig into <laughs> some of the stuff that you're going to talk about. I, I know a little bit uh, from our background together that uh, you have a, a diverse career path as I do. And uh, there is a lot of people in the Bible who had diversity. <laughs> Yes, indeed. Yeah. So, you know, why don't we just spend some time uh, getting our our listeners to know a little bit about you. So tell us a little about yourself, uh, you know, as an introduction so they can have you as an acquaintance instead of a stranger. Uh, okay. I am uh, of an age that I'm old enough to know better. Uh, born back uh, early. I was, I was born at a very early age, as they say, and uh, grew up in a Christian home, um, although my dad has some cultish things going on unfortunately you could you could pray for him so that was an interesting tension um so i grew up actually you know and interestingly enough that uh, things like theater and film you didn't go to the show you didn't go to legitimate wow. theater and you didn't go to the movies yeah you could watch anything on tv you wanted to you can listen to the radio and all that kind of stuff but you didn't go to those things you could do plays in church you could do plays in school um Community theater was iffy. Mm. <laughs> we went to see the first theater outside of church or school that I saw was uh, You Can't Take It With You in uh, uh, a community theater thing because yeah. my aunt and uncle had friends who did theater and they invited them to come. So we went and saw that show, which was really fun to watch. Um, so anyway, yeah. And uh, um, I got saved very, very early in life. I uh, was nine years old. And uh, then um, in junior high, just at the end of that time, I, I got on fire for the Lord. High school was Bible studies and all kinds of stuff. I went to Moody Bible Institute, um, got my degree in Bible theology, was a youth pastor for 10 years, had a spiritual breakdown, uh, had been married, got married again, and I've been married three times, so that's, you know, we don't have to go into all those details at this point. You can ask questions about that. Don't, you know, be shy about that. But so it has been quite an interesting, I, I, I like to actually say that um, I've done all my major sinning since becoming a Christian <laughs> because because I was nine when, uh, when the Lord saved me and truly yeah. he yeah, saved yeah. me and he has kept me. Uh, so now uh, through Moody, through... Um, all kinds of an interesting journey. I ended up being an actor, so that's what I do now. And uh, I am married and have two sons, and uh, it's a blended family, so also a, a, a stepson and two stepdaughters and spouses and grandchildren. And uh, we currently live in Beach Park, Illinois, 
And that's a journey in and of itself, which has been wonderful. Um, what else do I want to say about me? I don't know. Well, I've you know done... Let me ask you a question. You sure, talked sure. about this uh, acting thing. And, you know, um, <clears throat> I've always had some questions to ask people who are actors. You know, uh, for instance, what roles have you played? Oh, wow. I mean, uh, I saw you think, I thought I saw you once as a mean cop. Um, yeah, I've been a mean cop. Did you? Did, are you talking about uh, TV. the uh, the um, killing of Kenneth Chamberlain? Did you watch the killing of Kenneth I Chamberlain? I don't know if I saw that. That was my meanest cop. Oh, okay. um, so yeah, oh oh yeah, I've 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 worked with uh, Kevin Sorbo and Cindy Williams and Hal Linden and a whole bunch of people, both in theater and in film. I do theater, film, and television, and voiceover, and you know anything I can get myself hired to do. So, so well, the other thing I wanted to figure out, especially when I saw you as a main cop, is that really you, or do you have to like put yourself in this other role that is so different than you, or is it you just bleeding through and saying words that are written for you? It's it's both and, <laughs> it's both and. Um, I mean, I've there 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 was a huge part of my life where I was a very very angry man, mm. very verbally violent, mm. um, not physically violent to yeah, any yeah. other human beings, uh, but to walls and doors, I could be rather Ooh. violent. Um, yeah, I was a I, I, yeah. So so you know the anger that's the Lord's dealt with that. But yeah, so so it's you know it's both and. There are things, of course, that. I portray that that are not me, yeah. Um, because that's what acting is about. But yes, you find actually what I do is I try to find what I relate to in the person I'm portraying, yeah. Because that's where the reality is. So if I can make a connection some way, the other things will follow along. That so, aren't so yeah, I, I don't know you as a meanie. I know you as a nice guy. So uh, what else, uh, you know, how else would you describe yourself? Or maybe how would Sally describe you? Oh, gosh, yeah. Are they two different people? She would call me a raging lunatic at times <laughs> and uh, the most wonderful husband on the face of the earth and others. So so it's a big mix. It, it's funny because you, you said, I, know you, I don't know you as the meanie. And I was auditioning at my agency and the girl that was running the audition, one of my agents, uh, it was it was for a bad cop. It was it was for a mean, really bad guy, right? And she, at the end, she went, "I I don't like to see you like that. <laughs> you, that's not who you are." And I go, "Yeah, well, that's acting." So, so uh, let me ask you. Uh, I'm going to ask you: Do you have a bucket list? And if the, you do have it, what's uh, what's still uh, empty in that bucket that you want to do? You know, it's it's it's. Uh, I do. There is. If if there's, I don't have a bucket list uh, because I guess I I really believe that heaven is the absolute fulfillment of what God made you to do. I, I will have eternity yeah. to anything that I could think of is going to be there times 10 times 10,000. Uh, so in in that sense I don't have a bucket list but I will say that I I played Joe Keller twice not at the right age. Once when I was in my 30s and once when I was in my 40s and he's 60 and now I'm in my 60s. So I really would like to play Joe Keller in all my sons. Um Do you hear a, that out there all your producers? All your producers <laughs> hit me up. So that's, that's, that's good. <laughs> Let me ask you a couple other things. Um, uh, what's one thing that uh, you would change about yourself? Or maybe put it this way, what would you, what would you like to be? 
if something different than you? What would I like to be something different than me? See, that I don't think I'd want to be anything different than I am. Um, you know, the Lord made me the way I am, and I, I love the way he made me. Um, there certainly was a time when when I didn't want to be addicted to porn. There was a time I didn't want to be uh, angry, and, and the Lord's resolved both of those things. So in that sense, I've seen that kind of movement. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, to be something different, no, I'm I'm very at peace with what the Lord has made me. I don't, it's not like I, uh, the only thing that would be different is that I would know him more. Sure, yeah. To, yeah. Be, to be more intimate with him. Yeah, yeah. Boy, that's a good word. You know, I usually ask this question to people who are not in the arts. So I ask them, <laughs> what's your favorite music or your favorite, you know, what what do you uh, enjoy in the arts? Is it music? Is it song? Is it a book? Is it write? Are there writers that you're really interested in? Maybe there's a character, like I mean, you talk about Keller, you know? Maybe, yeah, yeah. You know, well, what what is it about those? Is there a, for you favorite villain, favorite hero? I mean, <laughs> well, yeah. Well, music. I'm I really am a fan of uh, blues oriented rock. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Resurrection Band, oh, yeah. uh, for Res, all of you people yeah. that are in Chicago, you know about Res Band. Um, and and in fact, that's how I knew I was going to marry Sally. We were out for dinner and, uh, and, and you know, just getting to know each other. And at one point I said, you know, so who, who you know, what band, what's your favorite band? What are you? And she said, Resurrection Band. In that moment, I knew we were getting married. <laughs> she didn't know it yet, but I knew in that moment. Um, so, yeah uh music um you know of course i i just enjoy all forms of theater and and uh you're asking me about a character and and joe keller is like yeah that i really would like to play him but there are i mean i got to play uh larry in the Iceman cometh i would love to do that again one of my favorite it's like it's like when i think of characters it's almost like boy i really enjoyed playing that role tell the folks who you understudied for that Oh, uh, you got the chance to actually do it, right? And I did it. Yeah, Brian Dennehy is who he was doing um, Larry in the Iceman Cometh, which is a five-hour show. Actually, if you do its fullest version, you don't cut anything, which they did. It was at the Goodman, and uh, so it was five hours at the Goodman. Uh, nor it, it can go seven hours. Oh my goodness! <laughs> Sounds like the rings. <laughs> yes. So I was understudying uh, Brian and. Um, he actually uh, ended up in, in uh, the hospital uh, for the first two previews. So that's the first time you have an audience come and actually see the show. And so I went on for him, and, and uh, yeah, that, that kind of made a splash because I did it off book, and, and uh, yeah, it was God's dice. <laughs> Somebody in, interviewed me shortly after the, how did you? I said, well, the first thing I did was call everybody I knew that prays and had them start praying. Yeah. And and yeah, the Lord really got me through that. So that sounds like a, a great experience. It was. Nathan Lane was playing Hickey. And uh, Nathan afterwards, he just gave me a big hug and he says, man, you saved our asses. I can't. I don't understand how you did that. So <laughs> that was kind of nice to hear him say that. So uh, now that you said asses, I'm going to. I'm sorry. Yeah. Should I have said butts? Because that's not what he said. But yeah, I'm I sorry. I, I thought it was maybe tame enough. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, no, that's good. It's good. Um, <laughs> asses in the Bible. You yeah, know. I know. I know. <laughs> different kind, but yeah. Um, no, you know what I was going to ask you is uh, on the more spiritual side of things, um, do you have a, like a life verse or, or something that resonates in your heart from Scripture that's like way out beyond everything else? Yes, I do. 
Um, when I was born, evidently, my mom uh, says that Dr. Brown, who delivered me, uh, gave her, I want to get the exact, because I can never remember the reference. I know it's Isaiah 54, um, verses uh, 17, just verse 17. So he gave her oh, wow. this verse for me when I was born. And it has been significant to me throughout my life. Some people already know it because I said the reference. No weapon that is fashioned against you shall succeed, for you shall refute every tongue that rises against you in judgment. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and their vindication from me, declares the Lord. And I've had to meditate on that at various times in my life. So, yeah, that would be it. That's a wonderful verse. I really appreciate that it doesn't say the Israelites. It says <laughs> the servants of the, the servants Lord. The servants of the Lord. I know. Amen. Yeah. That's great. Do you have a favorite character aside from Jesus that uh, you like? I like that guy. I want to get to know him better. Yeah. Her. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, Peter, I always wanted to play him in the Passion Play. Never got to. Um, so that would be New Testament. But, you know, my favorite character from the Old Testament is actually Isaiah. Hmm. Um, it's his book that's actually my favorite, you know. But, uh, yeah, I, I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell amongst a, a people of unclean lips. And uh, just that humility and um, recognition of God's um, cleansing and your need, your helplessness, you know, what do you do at that point, right? Sure, yeah. Except cry out to God, so. Hmm. And it's such a rich book. I mean, one of the themes of it and Ezekiel, and then they will know mm-hmm. that I am the Lord. I mean, yeah. that's said so often in both of those books, and that's my hunger and thirst right now is that people will know, this nation will know that he is the Lord. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is that is a good aspiration or mission. Um, in In line with that, uh, maybe it is in line with it. Maybe it isn't. What um, this will uh, this will be the end uh, of the the getting to know you questions. Okay. So uh, what um, what elicits emotion from you? Either a big hurt, or when you see it, or experience it, or great joy. Is there something that I don't know if you're a, a weeper? I think you are for some reason. <laughs> or other. But um, yeah, what is, what's out there that you know? Boy, that just that's hits my heart. Yeah. Um a a the, to hear someone's from darkness to light testimony to to hear in in a very broad way biggest thing is all of the history of revival and what God did in revival. You 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 want me to weep? Let me read a book like Revival or We Die by by Michael Brown and and rehearse again. I've read a lot on, you know, but but just the things God did. Uh, you know, in in the first great awakening as ships would come to America before they got to the shore. The entire ship would suddenly come under conviction of sin. Grown men just crying out, asking for mercy. God, have mercy on me. Is there mercy for me? That was a big thing that was said. And they'd be saved by the time they got 
to the shores. That moves me, makes yeah. me hungry. Thank you so much for uh, sharing that. Uh, we're going to take a break right now, and uh, we'll come back in a minute, and we'll finish this discussion about calling. Work is Calling is a ministry of soul priority that coaches women and men of faith to transform their careers and workplaces with biblical principles and the book, Work in the Light, that highlights why God created work, shepherd leadership, workplace culture, and the vital importance of a singular God priority. You can find out more about Soul Priority at www.soul-priority.org. That's www.soul-priority.org. Now, back to today's podcast. Well, welcome back, everybody. Uh, we're really glad that you're with us. Tom, now that we've uh, learned a little bit about you, let's find out how and why you see your work uh, as a calling. Um, tell us a bit more about uh, your your life as an actor and how... how <laughs> you know, I, I, here's the thing I, I wonder is like, I mean, obviously, you you have blended your face with your work, uh, mm -hmm. you know, and I know that there's things that you do that maybe you'll talk about. But was it like an epiphany? Was it like uh, someone led you or taught you about it? Or was this this slow transitional thing where all of a sudden you just found yourself understanding that your work was a calling. How did it happen? Or, or what, do you, what would you say about that? Yeah, that's very interesting. The, the combination of the, of the, uh, the work and, and as a calling. So I have felt um, the call of God on my life from a very young age. So when I was in junior high, I mentioned earlier, I had this experience at summer camp, which many uh, Christian kids go to, you know, camp and Friday night is always testimonies and powerful message and that sort of thing. And, and so that was, you know, um, my, my last uh, junior high camp, um, Bill McKee spoke and, and the basic inv invitation was, you know, stand up and say, here am I, Lord, send me, if you mean that. And then, of course, people started standing up, and I was just about to stand up, and he goes, okay, everybody sit down. <laughs> and I'm like, huh? It's, don't stand up because your friend stood up or because you think it would be cool to stand up, or you mean business with God, or don't stand up. So it was very, you know, yeah, I meant that. So, you know, through high school, it, it's 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 like, the the ministry was built into high school, right? So we did a Bible study at noon. A friend of mine and I started a Bible study at noon. Uh, we did wit cold turkey witnessing on weekends at the local mall, um, and and of course, I carried my Bible everywhere I went. You know, and, and um, was was either Kevin, a friend of mine, uh, said to me he was a he was like a he was like a big doper, and he got saved going to camp. And uh, at one point he said, you know, Tom, everybody, you know, they either, they either think you're the biggest drug dealer in the whole school or, or what you got is really real. So, um, yeah, <laughs> integrated from that position. So I guess it I guess maybe I would say that there's always been in everything I've done. And of course, then I went to Moody which you're preparing for ministry. And, and it was ministry. It was, you know, I did missions work in southeastern Ohio as a youth pastor. So that was just straight up ministry. But because it's always kind of been that blend, I, I don't think I've really 
I don't know that there was a sense of anything other than. The switch was always there. It was yeah. always on. It yeah. just started growing and it, it, gl- glowing. It, it organically yeah. is, you know, because if you're somewhere and you love Jesus, you're going to want people to know Jesus. How can you not yeah. then integrate that into whatever you're doing? So most of the people who are going to listen to us, are, you know, they're not a pastor or a priest or a missionary or a youth pastor. Right. You know, and they're going to say, well, you know, I kind of get that. That's a calling, you know. <laughs> but... Um, you know, we know from Scripture that, uh, that everything uh, that we could put our hand to ends up being a calling. So what does it look like for you? What are the components or the markers of, yeah, you know, I'm an actor, but this these markers really show that uh, it's evident in my, in my acting, my work. Well, you know... Um well, uh, let me say, let me back up just a second and say, you know, putting words on it, putting words on the concept that that I'm that I'm um, that my work is is my calling uh, comes out of Luther and um, Kuiper, if you're familiar yeah. with those yeah. two. So, you know, and Kuiper's famous and I'm going to, you know, paraphrase it. Uh, but, you know, Christ looks upon all the world and and cries, every inch is mine. Right, and so, so coming across those writings and writings about those writings, is what maybe put the the words to it for me. That yes, what we do, even if whatever it is, sweeping a floor, or or making shirts, or crunching numbers, or building buildings, or you know stuff that people wouldn't normally think of as ministry, in fact, is ministering to people. The people that built that sweet little board you have there that you do all this amazing stuff with and mixing the music in and so on he's doing this all just live folks it's amazing i'm amazing Um, (laughs) he is amazing it's amazing (laughs) you know somebody somebody came up with that somebody built that somebody put that together that is that is your ministry that person's ministry to get that board first of all conceived built manufactured into your hands whether they know it or not our vocation what we do fits into exactly what god's doing and uh, if we can get a hold of that concept and know that eric little famously said to his sister who was berating him for running in the olympics because he was supposed to be a missionary so yeah i'm gonna be a missionary but god made me fast and when i run i feel his pleasure yeah and I've taken that. It's on my website. I say, God made me an actor. And when I perform, I feel his pleasure. And I think that can be true for any occupation. I think that's marvelous because there, um, you know, having been an entrepreneur, um, there is a lot of, and an inventor, there's a lot of non-success. There's a lot of, you know, and unless you feel unless I felt that God was, you know, had me on a path that, that wasn't an accident, it would have been disheartening. Yes, absolutely. So what, uh, do you have stories of um, experiencing God's presence or God's power because you realize that, uh, you know, when I act, I feel God's pleasure and all of a sudden things, something happens around you or something happens in a person around you? You know, do you have any... The evidences or well you know it's interesting um first of all uh there are moments i call them holy moments 
that I've felt when I've done theater since I first began doing theater, which is like way back in high school. Finally, my senior year, they did straight theater, not musical. Because I couldn't be in musicals because they danced, you know. And Oh, no. Yeah, and sex leads to dancing. So, you know, it, it, to, to just jump into dancing, I guess, was a so bad thing. So if you thing. didn't know one, you didn't know the other? That's right. <laughs> so so I, I did... Uh, Prince Serky and Death Takes a Holiday it was Death and Death Takes a Holiday. And, you know, from there and, and all through just these moments, it's it's always there at some point, multiple times in anything I'm doing. There's just a moment where I'm just sitting there and I'm watching people collaborate and I'm watching, I'm seeing the lights being hung. I'm, I'm you know, just maybe in a moment in the piece. And there is this sense of wonder and literally of holiness. It just—it's like I'm like, oh yes, this is it. This is it. This—it's like it's like the the veil just parts for a bit, and you touch just a little part of heaven. So so there have been many many moments like that. Um, yeah, I, I, I guess that's that's yeah that you know it's it's indefinable, but when you're in the middle of it, you're just in awe. No, that's uh, that's interesting to you know begin to gather in what's happening around you, and realize that it is in part a picture of who God is as Creator. Mm-hmm. And it is, you know, as I said, in the collaboration. It, yeah. It's in it's in watching someone save somebody's butt on stage because yeah. they went up. It's yeah. in just reading the doing a table read at the very beginning and hearing what actors bring to the thing and to the script and and you know somebody says a line and you see a light go on in somebody else and they respond in a way that maybe they hadn't responded before and and it just feet that the the sense of body life yeah 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 so i i I know and, and i hope you could talk about this a little bit um that you've created a community uh for uh Actors, yes, and, and actually, all people in the, the entertainment, entertainment, entertainment and media, visual, dance, anything, anything yeah. that has to do with with proclaiming, with story, with music, with entertainment, with media, with communication. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So anchors on news, anchors everybody. on news broadcast. Yeah, yeah. Everybody that's out there. So tell the people what it is, and and I'd be curious to know is that something that you heard about or something that just came to you and. You know, what has been the outcome of this community uh, as you describe what it is? Yeah, well, the first show I was ever in in Chicago, um, one of the other actors was a Christian. It's, you know, a, a truism that you cannot not communicate. Um, so so when I started acting, I was at a place in my life where I had just begun to come back to the Lord. I had walked away for about a couple of years, really just living stupid. And, and so I had just become, you know, been, been begun to come back to the Lord. And so I was kind of ashamed of, you know, and it's like, I don't have anything to say to anybody. So I'll just keep my mouth shut. I don't have anything to say to anybody. But you cannot not communicate. And of course it came out somehow between the two of us that we were both Christians. So we started to pray together before rehearsals. And then we would come early and pray before the show too. So that impelled me to go, that would be nice to have a, you know, actor prayer partner. So I just asked the Lord for one. And nine years later, I finally found one. 
It was nine years. I you talk about you, earlier. You were talking yeah, about feeling yeah. alone, yeah, right? Yeah. So yeah, it's like you know, wow. There's some maybe professing Christians, but their lives are screaming something else, right? Sure. Um, yeah. Is there somebody serious enough about the Lord and loves the Lord deeply enough that they want to spend weekly time in prayer with another believer? So found his name is Dave, and we've been praying for going on. 20 years now, I think, 18, 16, 18 years, we meet once a week <clears throat> as much as we possibly can. The schedules, obviously, sometimes you don't. But, yeah, that's, you know, pretty much every week we, we meet to pray. That then, you know, let's get some other guys to pray. And one or two popped in and then never showed up again. And, I mean, wow. That was, it was like, wow, nobody wants to pray. Very passionate to pray, but nobody wants to pray. And uh, Jeremiah Lamphere and the great prayer revival of the 1850s, who started a prayer meeting in downtown, downtown uh, New, New York, York yeah. uh, business district, and it just exploded. And the you know Second Great Awakening happened, and and uh, you know one of the largest percentages of the American culture came to know Christ as a result of that. And so you know this was you know well no. But <laughs> but the passion. So so then I'm reading a book and there's a, a another. Act, I was in rehearsal and this other actor comes over and he looks at my book. It was the Gospel Driven Church by um um I can't even his name anyway. And he goes, "You like all that gospel stuff, don't you?" And I go, "Yeah, I do." And and this is a good book. And then he walked away. And uh, sitting next to me was a, a girl who was understudying some of the roles. And she goes, "Gospel driven church. Have you ever heard of Tim Keller?" And I said, "Well, yeah." As a matter of fact, she goes, "I just read the Reason for God." And so I found out she was a Christian, and she was like the tipping point. So at that point, there were about. 14, 15 individuals in the business in Chicago that I had met and kept in contact with. So I sent an email out and said, let's start praying once a month on Saturday morning. And five showed up the first time. And then we went down to three. And it was me and two lovely ladies, Sharon and Linda. And we prayed for about two, three years, just the three of us. We went from one month, once a month to twice a month. And then moved into every week, um, but that was a little later, uh, which is what we do now. So anyway, uh, I started working with navigators, and once I got a prayer team praying for me from navigators, within about two months, we went from the three of us to 11. So one week it was us three, and two weeks later it was 11. And it went up and down and in and out, and there was a period of time where I said, we are five, because that's about what would show up. And now we're moving back up towards 10. You know, it's averaging about eight every week. Um, and we meet on Saturday morning. Right now it's on Zoom. COVID, thank you. And uh, um, every Saturday morning, and we get together at 8.30. We just start praying right off the bat as soon as we're gathered for an hour. And when the timer goes off, generally we pray a little longer. People just keep praying. When it finally dies down, then we just hang out. And uh, currently there's three productions uh, in the works. Uh, one's a film, one's a theater piece. Well, actually it's two films. And um, yeah, so I'm, I'm talking and talking and talking. So No, it's I, good. I'm listening. Okay, listening. all right. I just, I don't listening. mean, you know, all right, all right. So, so yes, so it has grown and, and, and basically we have also incorporated a communion into our time. So when we get down praying... 
we share in communion, which has uh, revitalized my understanding and and uh, and the and the depth and wealth of what communion is. And if you're a pastor or you're in you know any any leadership position in your church, I would recommend you talk to your pastoral staff about possibly doing communion every week because I just find it is a vitally important means of grace. Uh, yeah. So so our main prayer is that the Lord will connect every believer in the business, that he will purify us, big important thing, unify us, and empower us to be salt and light in the industry, to change the face of it into one that truly glorifies God. So what were those three or four things again? Unify? Connect. Connect. Every believer. Purify us. Purify God, God doesn't work through dirty vessels. Hmm. Uh, purify us. We ha- we have to be pure before Him. We have to be in His Word. We have to be doctrinally sound. We have to be in love with Him more than anything else. Yeah, Amen. Especially in this business, because there's great temptation and there's a lot of pressure. Come on, you can do it. Come on, do this. Yeah, you'll never work again if you don't do that. Got to be strong. Unify. So on the same page, the pages of Scripture, empower us. Nothing of any worth happens apart from the Holy Spirit so that we can be salt and light in that industry. To ch- you know, right now, what's going out on this super highway, which is likened to the Roman roads, which were used for conquest originally, and then the gospel used those roads. For conquest. For conquest <laughs> of a different kind, yes. And so right now, this information that's going out through entertainment and media mostly is godless. Hmm. Not meaning sex and drugs and rock and roll, but just God's not there. People don't go to church. People don't pray. There's not any spiritual conversation. It's just godless. Nice things, good things, good moral values, but godless. Right. And sometimes, and a lot, too much, anti-Christ, really anti-Christian. And uh, so we would like to see those roads suddenly have the gospel just flourish through them, throughout the whole world wow what a super highway it just if the lord would do that i would be so happy well you uh it's <laughs> out there all those who believe in prayer i invite you to uh join tom and in, in his little his little uh, what do you call it the little flock um well i don't know it's called emp emp en- entertainment and media prayer gathering gotcha Gotcha. So what fuels you? I mean, I think I heard some things. Are there spiritual disciplines that you personally practice that uh, keeps you on track? You know, is is it, you know, your wife, you know, making sure that you're on a straight and narrow? I mean, I, it, you know, it's part of my experience. Certainly, yes. So what are some yeah. of the things that fuels you? I mean, yeah, talk about that. Um, well, there's a booklet I wrote, and a lot of people it originated as like a radio station, but I had to switch it to Wi-Fi because, you know, who listens to radio anymore? Podcasts and all that kind of stuff. That's where you go. Anyway, Wi-Fi. So a lot of people's Wi-Fi that they link up to is WIIFM, which is what's in it for me. Uh, but we need to be hooked up to WPFM, which is the word and prayer and fellowship and ministry. Mm. And so... That's what fuels it. The, the word and prayer, um, I start every morning alone with the Lord for as much time as I can carve out. Um, my goal for a long time was two hours uh, every morning. 
and been pretty pretty faithful on that. That was, yeah, from something I read uh, about where God works most, his church, his church, not just individuals in the church, but his church yeah. spends together corporately two hours every day in prayer. So there's a challenge for us all. Um, and so, you know, it's just reading God's word and laying myself before him and asking him to speak to me and speaking to him about all the things, praying, just that. And, um, you know, finding a good church. Go to Cornerstone Community Church in Wadsworth, Illinois right now. Uh, Danny Foote is the pastor, and he's just a godly man that holds the word forth and and is uncompromising and bold in, in the proclamation of the whole counsel of God. And uh, very strong prayer ministry. Prayer. Prayer. You know, what do the apostles say? You, you you find seven men full of the Holy Spirit to wait on tables, full of the Holy Spirit to wait on tables. Yeah, yeah. And we are going to devote ourselves to prayer. That's the first thing I said. Right. And the ministry of the word. Yes. And so, you know, you put those four things, that time with the Lord and in worship and other believers, which is a combination of word and prayer and fellowship and encouragement and strengthening and challenging and sharpening and all those things. The body is important. And then ministry flows out of that. You know, Jesus said to the disciples, wait. He didn't say strategize. He didn't say develop meetings. He didn't say come up with a way to do this. Go figure out how you can best get this message out. He said, wait. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, then you will be. And if they had decided, well, let's strategize, I doubt they would have come up with going out and preaching the gospel in all the different languages that are there because they didn't know those languages. Exactly, yeah. But that's what the Holy Spirit did. Yeah. What will he do with us if we will wait? Yes. So um, pushback. You Came. kind of inferred, you know, inferred <clears throat> it a little a bit ago. But is there a pushback? Do you feel it? Is it uh, is it people? Is it spiritual? Is it emotional? Or maybe there isn't any. Maybe you know. Oh no, where uh, uh, John Eldridge? I, there's a quote in uh, the book, um, "Waking the Dead," uh, that that I think is just absolutely true. We are in a war. Period, and always will be until we go home to be with the Lord or he comes to take us all home with him. Um, and, and, and this is the quote and it grabbed me cause it's so true. The story of your life is the story of the long and brutal assault on your heart by the one who knows what you could be and fears it. Oh yeah. And so, yes, there's constant pushback both in circumstances, in just in within the flesh being stirred up by the spirit world there's demonic there's you know um other human beings who are demonically influenced perhaps but certainly living in the flesh and pushing back yes constant and we must be aware and know that we're in a war and know that god is faithful no matter how it looks that his promises are true and that's where spending that time every day with him, you know. How do you um, be, how are you careful about not making the war about people and keeping it a spiritual battle 
Like, you know, the scripture says, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities and heavenly places. So what, how do you, how are you careful to make sure that, you know, you, you don't um, target your spiritual missiles incorrectly? <laughs> yeah, no, that's a good question. Um, it's just simply the realization, the knowledge, the understanding that even though in one sense, because scripture commands us to love our enemies, right? There are enemies that we have. There are people who want to do harm to us and everything. But there, to, to genuinely understand that there are no humans who are your enemy, they are prisoners of war. And if you can just really know, understand, and believe that, that this person who's gnashing their teeth at me is a prisoner of war and under the control of the enemy, it's it's not them, you know, and, and that may result in my death like Stephen. They gnashed their teeth and stoned him to death, right? Sure, yeah. Okay, but what did he pray? Don't lay this yeah, sin against them. them. Right, absolutely. Because he realized that they were prisoners of war and he had compassion for them. Yeah. The one who died on the cross loved them, loves them as much as he loves Stephen or you or me. Right. So let me ask you this. Uh, I don't know if you sing really well. Uh, you, know, <laughs> you have a great voice or not. You know, I don't know if people break out in tears around you as they listen to you in church. <laughs> oh, they break out in tears, but not because it's so sweet and wonderful. <laughs> but, you know, that's, that's what, uh, you know, unfortunately, I think that we kind of uh, define that singing at church as worship. Mm, mm-hmm. So uh, talk to us about... Uh, do you see work as worship? Do you see it as something that um, magnifies God? Do you see it as something that elevates Him? And I don't even understand what I just said because how can God be magnified or made bigger? You know. Well, yeah, He can't, but our vision of Him can. We see through a glass darkly. Um, <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. And I and basically, I said it earlier. When I perform, I feel. His pleasure. I mean, that is worship. When we do that which we are made to do, um, whether it's doing our business, our vocation, or whether it's living with our family the way we should, or whether it's, you know, hanging in a fellowship at church or, you know, wherever we are, whatever we're doing, pumping gas for that matter, um, the, the sense that I'm here because you put me here. The sense that it's absolutely true that apart from Christ, I can do nothing. You know, we like to kind of, well, uh, not really of anything spiritually important. I mean, certainly we can do things, right? You know, no. Apart from him, you can't do nothing because you can't take your next breath apart from him because he holds you together. Right. And so the recognition of that then becomes worship. And it's, you know, it's not like you're constantly worshiping just by doing and and so on. But I think when you combine the gratefulness and the praise that, I mean, there have been times when I've been on stage, honestly, literally on stage, I'm, I'm working, I'm doing my job and everything, but inside I'm going, this is the coolest thing, God. Oh my, <laughs> why did you allow me to do this? This is so wonderful. This is just so, and it's, and the, the worship just erupts inside, even though I'm staying in character and doing what I need to do in the show, which is also part of the worship because then it's like, wow, you, you enable me to do that kind of thing too, right? The human brain is amazing what he made that we can 
both be internally somewhere and externally fitting into exactly where we need to be at the same time. That creates worship. Everything creates worship, can create worship, should create worship. This is great. I'm just really enjoying, you know, listening to your perspectives. Uh, and I can't wait for everybody else to listen. I am going to s- s- serve you a softball now mm. uh, to kind of end our time. Um, and just say, uh, I'm going to give you the freedom just to share with uh, the listeners any bit of advice or wisdom or insight that you have uh, garnered along the way, that you've discovered uh, some some rich treasure that you know that if others hear this, it may indeed make something uh, beautiful in their life. Hmm. Yeah. Um, I just want to say pray. I I just want to say um, if you don't know how to pray, you learn to pray by praying. Um, I want to say along with uh, Chambers said, um, prayer does not fit you or prepare you for the work. Prayer is the work. And and so I would say don't fight that. Believe that. Believe that prayer is the work. When I talk to people about prayer, I in the church, I in the world you hear ABJ, anything but Jesus or ABP, anything but prayer, you know, F your prayers, prayers don't do any good, etc. Okay? In the church, what you hear is, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, we got to pray. Oh, yeah, 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 we got to pray. Well, yeah, we got to pray. So we should develop a seminar on how to pray. You're, you're kind of missing the point, right? Or it's just, yeah, yeah, we should pray, but look at your prayer meeting. How many do you have? One a month? Every other month? None at all. When you do have them, what percentage of the, you know, in 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 Nigeria, um, in these however many years, literally more people come to the prayer meetings than come to the worship services, literally. So, if prayer genuinely is the work, and of course Luther is said to have said, we don't know if he actually said it or not, every day. I know I've got a busy schedule. I have to spend two hours in prayer every morning before I go. And on days when I'm really, really busy, even more so than normal, I have to spend three or four hours in prayer. When you pray, God informs you. The Holy Spirit comes upon you. Then you walk in obedience, right? The pushback is always, well, yeah, yeah, you got to pray, but you got to put foot on those prayers. You do, but but when you focus on putting feet on the prayers, you're no longer praying. When you pray and you walk then in obedience, the feet that get put on those prayers are like the languages that were spoken and saw 3,000 people come to know the Lord in that one day, as opposed to, I don't know, some kind of seminar they would have put on. That wouldn't have been nearly as powerful. A couple of people might have got saved. I don't know. I don't know. But when the Holy Spirit moves and that just comes out of prayer. So there you go. Pray. Well, Tom, thank you. Thank you so much for that uh, last bit of advice and insights. I appreciate it very much. I wholeheartedly uh, agree with you in the area of prayer. Folks, I just want to thank you so much for listening. And uh, until we meet again, work is calling. Amen. 
This has been another episode of Work is Calling, a ministry of soul priority that coaches women and men of faith how to transform their careers and workplace through biblical principles. You can find out more at www.soul-priority.org. We hope you join us again next time for another interview of an individual who has discovered work is calling.